good morning church it's so good to see you the topic this morning the lord put in my heart to share is a bit on the heavier side <laughs> you're thinking charles what the heck man but anyway but to lighten up i want to share a joke with you uh, it's been a while few weeks i haven't shared a couple of jokes so let me read a couple of things to you why do couples fight uh, this there are a few reasons uh, <laughs> my wife sat down on the couch next to me as i was flipping the channels she asked what's on tv and i said dust and then the fight started <laughs> when i got home last night my wife demanded that i take her someplace expensive so i took her to a petrol station <laughs> then the fight started my wife was hinting about what she wanted for her upcoming anniversary gift she said i want something shiny that goes from 0 to 100 in about 3 seconds so i bought her a weighing scale <laughs> I think it's just funny. Then the fight started. Singles, do not make this mistake in your home when you get married. This is the last one, okay? <laughs> I asked my wife, where do you want to go for our anniversary? It warmed my heart to see her melting in sweet appreciation. Somewhere I've not been in a long time, she said. So I took her to my parents' house. <laughs> anyway, you know, I thought it was really funny. But anyway, lift up your Bible. This is my Bible. Okay, lift it up. Say this after me. Lord Jesus, influence me this morning. Come on, church. Come on, say it one more time. Lord Jesus, influence me this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit will touch us this morning. Speak to us, Lord. We want to hear your voice, not the voice of Charles, but your voice through Charles. I humble myself. I step out of your way. Have your way this morning. Lead us. Teach us your way in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, the Lord laid in my heart to talk about something very essential for us as the body of Christ. It's something called equipping the body of Christ. And we live in a time where uh, there is so much movements going, so much um, happenings. You know, we move around seminars, we room around conferences, we move around uh, uh, places that uh, makes us feel good, worship uh, the, you know, uh, worship conferences, stuff like that. But I do believe, and that's why I said it's, uh, it's the subject is a bit on the heavier side. I do believe God is more interested in establishing you as his disciple than entertaining you as a follower of Jesus. Let me say this again. God is more interested in discipling you, equipping you as a disciple then entertaining you as the follower of Jesus. If you read John chapter 6, we're not going to go there, but if you read John chapter 6, these guys were so fascinated by the miracles of Jesus and they started following him and Jesus has to look back at the crowd and confront them because their motives were not him, but what he can produce. And we live in a world like right now, we are so conformed in such a way we are moved by there is an apostle there there is an evangelist there there is a prophet there there is a pastor there there is a conference going on there is this thing going on this uh, uh, elite group is doing something we want to be part of those something that is happening but let me tell you guys discipleship equipping the body of christ it's not necessarily outwardly bling bling but it sometimes looks so mundane but it produces at the end of the day Christ being formed in us. Can I get an amen? Amen? Now, the passage we're going to look at is from the book of Ephesians. But I would love to read a, a quote from D.L. Moody. 
The great American evangelist once said, if a man is stealing nuts and bolts from a railway track, and in order to change him, you send him to a Bible college or to any university, at the end of his education, he will steal the whole railway track. So what's D.L. Modi's take on it? It's not just the education can transform, it is Christ equipping that person that transforms him internally. Amen? And I like what uh, this man of God said, you can't cast your flesh and disciple a demon. And this is sometimes we always do. And I'm going to be outrightly very, very, very clear to you in the beginning of the sermon itself. Not everything that happens to you is a demonic attack. Everything that happens to you, not everything that happens to you is demonic. Why? Because we have a tendency of an old Adam. The old Adam's nature is to blame someone's fault. Remember? When God found Adam, he asked, where are you? We talked about it last week. It was not the place. It was not the position God was. It was the disposition where he was at. God has to confront him. And what was Adam's response? The woman you gave told me to eat that stupid fruit. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And that old Adamic nature is inside of us. Still, even though born again Christians, still we do this. We say, well, I think there is a demonic attack. Can I be honest with you? There may be a demonic attack, maybe 20, 25%. 50% is your own stupidity. And maybe another 25% is someone else's fault. But we don't want to see that. We don't want to see that way. So we're going to quickly go into the book of Ephesians. Ephesians has got six chapters. We don't have time to read all of this. I'm going to give you a quick look of it. It's up in the screen. You will see it. But Ephesians is written to the body of Christ. Like Colossians is talked about the head of Christ. Ephesians talks about the body of Christ. So the, the six chapters, we're going to just take only one chapter, a few verses we're going to take. We're going to dwell in chapter four. But I just want to give you an outline of it. If you have a habit of taking notes, take notes. Chapter one talks about the understanding of the gospel of salvation and Christ's ultimate authority over mankind. That's chapter one in a nutshell. So you understand what salvation is. Salvation, you don't earn it. It's Christ gave it to you. And it's he paid the price. You receive it by faith through grace. And Christ's ultimate authority over mankind is visible in chapter one. Chapter two talks about we are seated in Christ. And that is not a position you earned. That is a position you've given to you by Christ. So it is a privilege. So next day, you get up in the morning and you feel so weird and you don't you find yourself kind of lost. Remind your soul that you have given a privileged position that you are seated next to him in Christ. Amen? Beautiful, isn't it? Chapter 3. Be rooted in Christ's love. Paul talks about it. How to be so deeply rooted in Christ's love. We don't have time. Please, I beg you to do yourself a favor. Read the book of Ephesians. You will find beautiful golden nuggets of truth scattered all over the chapters. Chapter 4, the body of Christ attaining the fullness of Christ. And this is the chapter we will dwell. Okay, chapter 5, be drunk in the new wine of God's love. Be drunk and he compares with the liquor. And that's why the liquor stores are called the spirit. Why? Because this spirit goes inside, it creates a mess in your spirit. <laughs> that's why Paul has to compare. Say, hey man, you put this spirit and messes up your body, but can you put the Holy Spirit and be transformed into the new Adam, Christ. Amen. Carpe diem, the Latin word for seize the day. And chapter 6 talks about being standing firm, being bold, and be armed, and be ready to face the battle. 
Okay, stand firm, be bold, because you're armed and dangerous. Okay, so this sixth chapter talks about amazing, beautiful position the body of Christ needs to take in terms of equipping yourself in the way God has planned for mankind. Now, we're going to dwell on chapter 4 alone. The body of Christ attaining Christ fullness. Now, you might have heard me say this, but I'm going to say it again. Everyone likes Jesus, but they have a problem with his body, the church. Is it true or not? Everyone. I have so many Hindu friends, not one person have openly said to me, I don't like your Jesus. But I have so many Hindu friends or Muslim friends, I have heard openly they said to me, I wish the followers of Jesus are like him. So the body of Christ has had many members, but still it's one body. Huh? It's still one body. And the heart of the entire, just like the heart is so important, every parts of the body works for only one part of the body, which is the heart. The heart stops, that's it. I mean, you guys in the medical field, you know what I'm talking about. So everything, the entire body of, of Christ is there for only one reason. For what? To be Christ exalted and glorified. So if you read Ephesians chapter 4, you will see from verse 4 to 6, you will see seven, one. Okay? There is one body. It's up in the screen. One spirit. One hope. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. And one God and Father of all. <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all, in you all. Wow. What's my point? The body of Christ is meant to be walking in unity, not uniformity. It's a big difference. Today, this is the reason why we are so divided. We are so divided because we wanted uniformity. You know, this Sunday, God willing, I'll be speaking in a Romanian church, uh, like 400 plus people and the congregation. And they warned me that this is a very conservative church. Women on one side, men on the other side. And coming from a Pentecostal background, for me, I'm used to that. And I just remembered my time in Romania. The Lord took me a few years ago. There were around 2,000 people in the church. And, and I said something which no pastor should say from the pulpit. I said, let's give a big hand to the Lord. And if you noticed Romanian culture, it is not possible to clap in the church because during the Chakusko time, uh, the dictator actually made sure everybody claps after he preaches. So the church kind of came out from that and they said, no clapping in the church. So I said something and people were very quiet. I said, let's give a clap to the Lord. And the translators next to me said, it is an abomination to clap in the, Lord, in, the, in the house of the Lord. So what's happening I mean, this is just an example. And we have churches, we have denominations that's built around us. And anyone who don't agree with our philosophy, our way of life, our, our way of doing things is actually not part of us because we interpret as they are not walking in unity. Actually, what we are saying is we are not walking in uniformity. So therefore, I reject you. My friends, I want to talk about this because if we have to equip the body of Christ, we have to look not through the eyes of uniformity, but through the eyes of unity. What does that mean? It may be different and different does not mean it's wrong. <laughs> Many gifts, 
but one spirit. Say this after me. Many gifts, but one spirit. Can I tell you? Holy Spirit is the gift. And again, people are moving so weird about it and they are saying, well, man, this is, uh, it's, it's crazy to see uh, uh, so many gifts. You know, some people are focused on the healing. Some people are focused on the prophecies. Some people are focused on the miracles. Some people are focused on the teaching. But let me tell you guys, I want to encourage you before we get into the root of this message. Holy Spirit is the gift. And the day you embrace Holy Spirit, you embrace the whole package. Amen. Now, let's run to the key words of this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. I'm going to read this. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And he himself, who? Jesus. He himself gave some to the apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. This is what predominantly in the church we call five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. The five-fold ministry. This five-fold ministry has five unique purposes. What are the apostles? You know, this is so crazy because Jesus used a word that is so contrary to the religious pattern of his day. He could have called them, hey guys, you are new Pharisees. Or, you know, I went to a country, I will leave unnamed. Uh, <laughs> they have Baptist church and they have uh, re renovated Baptist church, something like that. A renewed Baptist church. I preached in both actually and one is modern one is more conservative but this is the point he didn't call his disciples a, a new name like or some kind of he didn't he didn't care to offend the religious system he called them apostles which is a secular word which basically means representative of another kingdom <laughs> he called them apostles vision casters he could have used a religious word but he chose not to use it but a secular word to bring clarity in the hearts and minds of people and I want to encourage you. The word apostle means to be sent, to go, to represent the kingdom. And today, the word apostle is kind of used as a title to dominate, to bring some kind of oppressive, patronizing mentality. I'm an apostle. <laughs> it is never. That's the idea. An apostle means to go, to represent another kingdom. Lord Mountbatten was a governor to our nation. Why? He was a representative from England and he was representing his kingdom in India. Let's call apostle. The second one, prophets. It goes in the fivefold. Apostle, prophets. Prophets, they carry the insight. They represent God to people. They bring the news of God to people. And prophets always bring the message of God to people. And the goal of the prophets is to bring the message of God to the people, not their own message. <laughs> Today, the prophets have taken this to their own personal use. I remember one guy was prophesying to the beautiful single girls. The Lord says, you are my princess. I don't know which Lord. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And today, in the name of prophecy, uh, so many things have happened. And the body of Christ now is like, oh no, prophets. I'm not going to deal with the prophet. I have the Bible, brother. I am rooted and grounded in this. Or they go to the other side. Everywhere, prophetic anointing, prophets and this and this. But the role of a prophet is to represent God to people, to bring the message of God to the people so that the people can come close to the living Messiah. Number three, evangelist. I'm running fast because there's a lot of things to cover today. Okay, You're taking notes? Evangelist. Evangelist or they're in other words, they're intercessors. They are the face of Christianity to the unbelievers. We had a volunteer called Lorenzo 
a couple of years ago. He is a born evangelist. He would just stand in front of anyone, anywhere, and talk about Jesus. It's just inbuilt in them, you know. And and some of them are like that. They they can easily strike a chord with a stranger and bring Christ in the conversation. It's amazing. So these are the evangelists. They are the face of Christianity to the unbelievers. And then the pastors. They are the burden gap carriers. <laughs> oh man, I tell you. I, can I tell you a little confession to make? I had a 10 years of ignorant prophetic teaching ministry. You go to your nation, preach, share the word, prophetic word, move out. The last three to four years, I'm a pastor. And I tell you, my friend, my respect for the pastors have grew so much. You know why? Because they stay put in one place. They meet the same people again and again. And the burdens they carry and pray for them, intercede for them. They bring healing and comfort through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in believers' lives. That's what pastors do. And last but not the least, the teachers, they, they exhibit the knowledge of God. They admonish, educate, and exhort people to walk in the ways of God. So these are the five-fold ministry in the body of Christ. And I'm going to go to that content, why this five-fold ministry is given. But actually, this five-fold ministry has a flip side to it. The the fivefold ministry, when it is not operated in through the life of Jesus Christ, or in other words, the fivefold ministry, if it is not operated through Holy Spirit, it can turn into five religious spirit. Number one, it's up in the screen, legalism. And that's what happens. You, you kind of portray yourself as an apostle, but it's more legalism. And then debate instead of prophecy, you're debating. I know I got the word of the Lord. My word is the ultimate word. And then opinions. Judgment. Pastors, instead of becoming the healers, they bring more pain. Judgment. And teachers, instead of bringing them to Christ, they hammer them so much in such a way they are condemned and criticized. The reason gifts are given is to equip the body of Christ. In other words, that we will have the fullness of Christ in our lives. Now, let's go deeper to know why these gifts are given. Why Jesus has to give, he himself gave some to apostles, not everybody, some to prophets, some to evangelists, some to pastors, some to teachers. Let me tell you this, all these gifts are in the believer's heart, but in different order. Maybe one would be a strong point for you. For me, my strong point is my order is very different. God called me predominantly to teach, bring a prophetic word, to pioneer, to represent him, and to pastor and to share the gospel. My order is very different. And maybe for you, your order might be very different as well. But what I wanted to encourage you is why God gives all of these, okay, gifts. Number one, why he gives this? It's in verse 12. Look at this verse 12. For equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. To equip his people for the work of ministry. So, as a church, the role of the church is to equip the believers, that's you, to the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? That you will live like Jesus and you will operate like Jesus in the, in the domain God has put you. Are, are, am I making myself clear? You are not supposed to entertain on Sunday and suck up and put up with your life for the next six days and then finally come again on Sunday to be entertained. No. You are called to be equipped so that in your domain, in your garden, in your area of influence, you can bring the ministry of Jesus. 
Number two, look at this. Verse 12. For edifying the body of Christ. In other words, to build up the body of Christ. Build up the body of Christ. Today, the body of Christ is emancipated, weak, malnourished. Why? Because we don't know what is the gospel. Today, if you ask an average Christian, what is God's number one goal in your life? They will say happiness, prosperity. Can I tell you God's number one goal is not for you to be happy? I'm sorry to pop your bubble. It's never. God's number one goal is to see Christ formed in you. God's number one goal is to see Jesus being exalted in your life. God's number one goal is to see that he occupies you. Happiness is never a means to end. It's a byproduct. God never said, I will promise you that you will be happy for the rest of your life. That is something that we have smuggled the pagan philosophies and we brought inside and we, we gave them a Christian rap and we preached that. Come to Jesus. Everything will be fine. When was the last time you came to Jesus? Everything was fine. It's not fine. You will go through challenges. But he has overcome. You will overcome. Amen. So to build up the body of Christ. Today the church is not built up. They are weak. They can't stand and, and have a decent conversation with an unbeliever or from a different faith. For example, from, from Islamic faith or from a paganistic worldview faith, from a, uh, from a naturalistic worldview. They can't have a decent conversation and talk about why Jesus is unique. They can't. Why? Because we are so focused on how we feel, not necessarily what's the real gospel. My friends, that's why God gives these gifts. So that you will be equipped for the ministry and you will built up in the body of Christ. Number three, verse 13, to attain unity in the faith. <laughs> this is the big challenge. Many Christians can't even have the courtesy to love and greet another Christian just because they are not from another congregation. They won't even have the courtesy to say, hello, brother, how are you doing? It's sad. We are in a sad state to attain unity in faith. What is unity? It is not uniformity. Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, they are so diverse. Father produces his son in us. Jesus prepares his bride in us. Holy Spirit resides in us so that we can become his temple. Three unique perspectives, one purpose. What is the one purpose? God being glorified. That's what Jesus said. When the Son of Man is lifted up, he draws all men to himself to attain unity in the faith. Number four, verse 13. Look at verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Hmm, let's stop there. To have the knowledge of the Son of God. What do we know about Jesus? Hmm. Do we know about the American Jesus? Do we know about the Indian Jesus? Do we know about the Middle Eastern Jesus? Do we know about your religious Jesus? Or do we know about the Jesus that is in the Bible? What do we know about Jesus? The knowledge of the Son of God. What do we know? Do we know, you know, people just say, sometimes they say, Jesus would never get angry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? Oh, Jesus would never do that. Listen, Jesus hung out with sinners, true. But he never sinned. Oh, Jesus hung out with sinners. I'm going to go hang out with sinners. Okay. Are you sinning? Jesus never used grace as an excuse to treat his own sinful nature. First of all, he never had one. But as a son of man, I'm talking about, he never used the grace and excuse to, to legitimate a sinful condition. Ah, oh, grace, brother. My eyes. Hmm? So, I'm just gonna go with wherever my eyes is leading and grace. Grace covers it all. I just tell a lie. Grace covers it all. 
No, no, no. What do we know about our elder brother Jesus? What do we know about this Messiah? Have you come to your place of asking God, reveal to me this Messiah, this crucified Messiah, this suffering servant, this reigning king. Reveal to me. What do we know about him? That's why these gifts are given. Number five, maturity in Christ. Look at this verse. Maturity in Christ. To be a perfect man. In other words, it says perfect maturity in Christ. What does that mean? That you will arrive to a place where you, you're not, you know, it's, it's, it's like my kids in the Christmas time and the break and the, the birthdays time. Birthdays, Christmas all happens in the same season and the month because Isaac was 28, Asha's 26, Jesus 25. You know, so it's all work together on the same time. And they are so thrilled about the gifts. They're two, three years, four, five, six, seven. Now they are just opening their gifts and they're so excited. Imagine 25 years down the road, you're still show the gifts. Look at me, Asha, I have these gifts. Look at this. And it's like, oh man, he has not grown up. That's how you still do. Look at me. I can prophesy. Look at me. I can teach well. Look at me. I'm an apostle. Suddenly the name, voice modulation all changes. We, that is not the reason. It is not for you. It is for the body. So that they can be in maturity. That means you can able to be least offended, more forgiven, more generous, loving, compassionate, never compromise, stand firm for the fullness of Christ. Amen. And that leads me to the last point here. It says, it's all in the verse 13. To receive the fullness of Christ being formed in us. In, in James' version it says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then verse 14 it says, so that we should no longer be children, <laughs> tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, and by the trickery of men, in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him, who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth in the body for edifying itself in love. My friends, let me let me unpack it. It's quite a mouthful. Now, what Paul is saying is this. Jesus gave you these gifts, not for you. Jesus gave you these gifts, not for your purpose, for to elevating you. Jesus gave you the gifts so that you will equip your fellow body members so that this fellow body members will have the final attainment of Jesus being glorified in and through all the areas of their life. What a powerful statement is that. Today we sell our anointing. Today we sell. We use soulish propagandas. I remember going to an African country. I will leave the name. I arrived there. I saw a wall post. I saw pictures in the Facebook. Prophet Daniel has arrived. Never be the same in this country. I was like, who is that prophet man? And then I looked, it was my picture. It doesn't sound so prophetic if it says Prophet Charles or Prophet Frederick or Prophet Victor. Those are all still my names. Or Prophet Chinna in Tamil, in my hometown. That's, that's what they call me, Chinna. None of the other names. <laughs> but Prophet Daniel sounds good, isn't it? I was like, Lord have mercy. They put me in a Taj Coromantel Hotel. There's a Taj in that nation also. And I was on the 13th floor. The church was on the ground floor. They treated me well, served, gave me good offering. That's all beautiful, fine, it's fine. But the point is this. We still try to think with our soul, we can arrive and bring people with, with some kind of word trickery. That's what it says here. Look here. The trickery of men, cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love that you may grow in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. When was the last time Jesus ever put up a banner? Miracle worker is here. Hashtag. Every time he did a miracle, he called him, he said, Chup karo, andar chalo. <laughs> he never said, Konya cholling lai. 
சார் இங்கே வந்திருக்கிறார் கைஸ் ஐ எம் ஷேரிங் திஸ் பேர்டன் இன் மை ஸ்பிரிட் வி ஹவ் டேக்கன் த பியூர் காஸ்பல் ஆஃப் ஜீசஸ் அண்ட் வி ஹவ் கரப்டட் வித் மேன்ஸ் ஃபிலாசபிஸ் மேன்ஸ் தாட்ஸ் மேன்ஸ் ஐடியாஸ் மேன்ஸ் ட்ரிக்ரீஸ் அண்ட் கிராஃப்டினஸ் அண்ட் வி ஸ்டில் கால் திஸ் அ காஸ்பல் இட்ஸ் அன் அபாபினேஷன் கைஸ் தட்ஸ் வாய் த பாடி ஆஃப் கிரைஸ் இஸ் நாட் எக்யூப்ட் தட்ஸ் வாய் வி ஸ்டில் ஹாவ் சோ மச் டிவிஷன் பிகாஸ் இட் சேஸ் யூர் வெரி கிளியர்லி deceitful plotting who in the world has told you that when it's worship it has to be you have to feel good when was the last time you heard that jesus said worship means you have to feel good when you go to the middle east i've been to underground churches in china you don't even have a place to sit they are stuck like sardine in a can but they are worshiping the lord that you and me will look and you'll be like wow Hmm. Even Lucknow, few years ago, the pastor got kicked out from the place he was worshipping. Under the tree, under the tree. I dare, how many of us from Papa's house can say, if there is no church compound, can we meet under the mango tree? No chairs. Bring your own blanket. Sit. Let's worship the Lord. I dare, how many people can come? It's, ne- it's not to condemn. It's not- Please don't get me wrong. Don't try to say, oh, what the heck, this guy is talking. Please, let me tell you this. things added as components for worship service does not mean we will do better worship amen i i can get passionate about this but there's still more to cover that's why i said to you it's a bit of a heavy subject what's the bottom line the gifts are not given to the body to compete this is not to compete this is not to say apostle charles prophet charles evangelist charles pastor charles teacher charles i you know we don't use titles i never call anyone dr sunil why your your title doesn't define you're my brother and i love you as my brother in the lord and if somebody tries to call me pastor charles i please tell them please please don't throw the title on me why it's it's i know in our culture we need to respect that's why i'm calling you brother sister mary my bro chenny because he's my bro he's my brother my sister manath this is why we should come back to the first love how the church was there jesus never said i am apostle doctor reverend right reverend jesus have you seen the chosen thing <laughs> we are watching now as a family <laughs> i am in tears when i watch that the day he jesus just puts his hand mary of magdala i am jesus from nazareth that's it that's it guys gifts are not given to the body to compete but to complement one another so that we can see christ being formed in us now i want to be practical that's why this entire chapter it takes long time to go through ephesians 4 from 22 to 24 talks about how to be very practical okay so let's go into that it says lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of the deceit that you may be renewed by the spirit of your mind and put on the new self which is in the likeness of god and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth now understand these three things the blood of jesus the resurrection of jesus and the anointing of the holy spirit say this after me the blood of jesus christ has paid the penalty of my sin the resurrection of jesus took the power of sin okay penalty and power now the anointing of the holy spirit helps me to walk in the original design of god three things the resurrection of jesus the blood of jesus and the anointing of the holy spirit the blood pays the price gives you a clean shit 
paid completely. Few months ago, Isaac got into an operation. We went to the counter to pay. Somebody paid miraculously. The Lord spoke to someone, paid. They gave us a bill, it's paid. That's how it is. Blood of Jesus Christ, it's paid. The resurrection of Jesus took the power. That means you don't have any more, that you are not anymore under the dominion of, of the evil. You are under the dominion of the Holy Spirit. Now, the anointing, what is anointing? God's ability and power in you to do things that you can never do on your own. Helps you to walk in the original design of God. Now, what are the things that you need to put off? What are the things you need to put on? Remember, we are talking about old Adam. We've been talking about old Adam. The old Adamic nature is still there. That's why the equipping is more important. Even though you are saved, your spirit is saved, but your soul is still in the process of redeemed. And then finally, your spirit will be transformed in the image of his son. So what do you need to put off? What do you need to put on? Quickly, we are running out of time. Take note, seven things. I put off lust and put on Christ, the holiness. Amen. We can stop here for one and talk next 40 minutes. I put off lust. Today, the number one challenge in the body of Christ among people, especially men, is lust. I want to challenge you. Bring it to the cross. Share it to him. You are as sick as your secrets are if you keep it under the, yourself. Open it up. Bring it to the light. Pornography. Netflix just released one of the most abusive movies ever. I don't want to even promote that name. It's, it's child sex exploitation. I want to challenge you. What are you watching? What are you listening? Where are you looking? I put off lust and put on Christ, the holiness. Number two, I put off bitterness and put on Christ, the forgiveness. Many months ago, you might have heard the protestation by the people in America because of what George Floyd went through. And he said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And many Christians are in that physical, not in the physical stage, but in the spiritual stage saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. What does that mean? It's unforgiveness, bitterness. So I put off bitterness. Bitterness chokes God's life in you. I put off bitterness and put on Christ. I put off gossip and put on Christ the truth. Make a determination in your heart. I am not going to talk about another person when the person is not there. Not even as a prayer request. <laughs> Number four, I put off anger and put on Christ the peacemaker. Not the peacekeeper. Peacekeeper bites the tongue, sits there. My bond is over. Two months, one month. Hasta la vista. Peacemaker makes effort to go and say, I was hurt. I want to ask you to release, ask you to forgive me. I want to be forgiven. Amen. Number five, I put off sloppiness and shortcuts and put on Christ the excellence in everything. That's equipping. We in Papa's house we, we strive for that. Why? Because we, we don't want to just do a sloppy thing. I spend before the face of God and ask him, Papa, speak to us. What to share? Because it's important. You need to hear from him, not me, my good ideas. It's never going to be enough. I put off rudeness, jerk, and put on Christ the kindness. I put off my agenda and put on Christ the kingdom. <laughs> Amen. I know we are running out of time. It's almost 45 minutes. Let me finish up by saying this. Let us be bridge builders, not bridge bombers. Amen. Church, I want to encourage you to think about this. These gifts are given so that you will be equipped and represent Christ to the world. Father, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters. We need you, Father. 
we need to see this old adamic nature being completely destroyed and crucified once for all in our lives we want to see christ formed in us father i'm sorry we are sorry for times elevated the doctrines about christ elevating our own philosophies about christ elevating personal agendas about christ elevating our own personal things that we call it holiness but it is actually a garbage in your eyes father have mercy equip us so that we can have the fullness of christ equip us so that we can have the maturity of christ equip us so that we can be built up strong in the body of christ equip us so that we can receive the fullness of jesus being formed in every area of our lives lord equip us that we will move away from the corrupt plotting plotting of man's craftiness to the pure gospel father help us to represent the pure gospel god sent his son to show to this world how much he loves so that people who believe in you will never be perish but have everlasting life equip us father that we will be a representative of you into the lost world i pray for my brothers and sisters you will strengthen each and every one amen we give you all glory in jesus name amen i love you guys we're going to take part communion please don't take it ritually take a moment pray seek the lord and if there is anyone here watching for the first time and you haven't given your life to the lord this is a wonderful opportunity to come and say jesus i give my heart to you come build your home in my life i receive you as my lord and savior confess i need you pray that simple prayer that jesus come and build this life bless you shall i